Анастасия. Yes, unfortunately, even in spiritual matters, much is done from the human mind. Take the Christian sacrament of wedding, which is traditionally viewed as performing the marriage ceremony between a man and a woman sanctified by the church, placing a crown on the head of those who enter into the religious marriage. In the past, this symbolic ritual also took place at the coronation of monarchs, marriage to the kingdom, coronation. Many people simply regard this action from the perspective of the material thinking without understanding the essence of this whole ritual, its symbolism, which in the spiritual interpretation conceals an entire stage of the perfection of a person himself, his transformation as a personality. Rigdon, you're right. The approach of society to these spiritual matters is still largely based on the perspective of the material way of thinking. That is why many married couples in the world wish to know the answer to the question, what stage of self-perfection does marriage symbolize? As the English philosopher and writer Oscar Wilde joked, marriage is too perfect a state for an imperfect person. Speaking seriously, harmonious relationships between a man and a woman which are built on sincere love, are wonderful. This can become a beginning, an impetus towards the development in each of them of the highest quality of the feeling, spiritual love, the one which is called the eternal one, pure, one that endures all sorrows and ills of life, which hardens, inspires, and gives strength. But achieving such a spiritual state is solely the result of individual work of a person on himself, either a man or a woman. This is daily spiritual work, reinforcing the habit and positions of predominance in yourself of the spiritual nature, keeping your animal nature on a chain, the discipline of thoughts. One must nurture spiritual love first of all inside oneself and not wait for someone to favor you with it one day. And when a person learns to produce spiritual love inside himself, he will learn to understand and spiritually love others. But people, as a rule, do not want to work on themselves and tame their animal nature. Figuratively speaking, they do not want to cast their own log from their own eye, but they notice even a mote in their partner, always trying to control and dominate someone. Often, relationships and families are based not on love, but on the selfishness of both spouses. Mutual squabbles and accusations stem from the tyranny of the animal nature in them both. So it turns out that instead of the expected hopes of a happy marriage, there is a total disappointment. All this is as old as the world, as the world not new. Ashes to ashes, earth to earth and spiritual to spiritual, one soul to one body, and it is about the soul that the main care should be. With the life of the body it comes, and with the death of the body it goes. Everything else are mindsets invented by people to justify their lives and their own choice. One should not search for the spiritual path in outer life, for it is inside a person, in his feelings, thoughts, words, and deeds. This is his path to the crown, to the spiritual summit, which is the culmination of his life, apogee, 
and the highest stage and the highest point of his self-perfection. Anastasia. So in the spiritual interpretation, wedding is a stage which assumes the buildup of the deepest feeling of love, the sense of merging of the personality with God, which does not depend on the external conditions or the environment, but is the result solely of a person's spiritual work on himself, his ability to remain in the state of predominance of the spiritual nature. And this applies to women as well as men. I would also like to talk about such Christian sacrament as an anointing, extreme unction. According to religious ideas, this is basically healing by church, the sacrament which is administered to a sick person to heal him from the infirmities of spirit and body and also to a dying person using oil, that is olive, wood, or other vegetable oil. It is done at the request of the person or his relatives. It consists of absolution, anointing with oil, and calling grace upon the sick person. Rigdon Well, regarding the healing, this is not new. A similar action was also common in the magical practice of the priests of ancient Egypt, Babylon, and so on. In fact, all these magical practices of healing have always been present in mass religions. Otherwise, the latter would not be so attractive for most people. As for the ritual itself, it is a kind of imitation of what once had a spiritual basis. Note that many early Christian authors call Jesus Christ in this religion as the only true doctor of souls and bodies. Just a few centuries ago, the general unction was practiced in temples on quite healthy parishioners, it was believed that they were prone to spiritual illnesses such as despondency, sorrow, and despair, and the reasons for them could be unrepented sins, perhaps even ones of which the person was unaware. Although this tradition has been preserved, today unction is more a ritual of the church healing sick people. If you pay attention, this Christian sacrament practiced today is also linked to number seven. For instance, as a rule, seven priests perform this ritual, seven gospel stories are read, seven prayers, the sick person is anointed seven times, and so on. Basically, this is an attempt to achieve quality through quantity. Where does this imitation come from? Ancient legends of the East mention that a bodhisattva as a being from the spiritual world in Christianity, the spiritual level is usually referred to with the rank of archangel, could provide additional spiritual power to a person through the touch, laying on, of hands, or through information carriers, such as vegetable oil, crystal, water, and so on. In general, Bodhisattva gave a person, if he deserved it of course, a kind of a spiritual present and the person used this power as he saw fit, according to his choice and faith. By today's concepts, it is, figuratively speaking, similar to an additional portion of fuel added to a car. This will undoubtedly increase the distance of its travel, but how fast and in what direction this car will go depends on the driver, the personality. Naturally, this power worked for a short period of time, but thanks to it, 
person, for example, during his spiritual practice, could penetrate the divine sphere beyond his personal abilities. Accordingly, he could gain valuable experience of being in its reality, practical awareness of a different world, which means getting spiritual impetus as a osmos in his development, a new awareness and perception of the world, which totally changed his attitude towards the illusory reality of the three-dimensional world. This made it possible to come into contact with the seventh dimension, nirvana, the seventh heaven, paradise, and understand what the ultimate freedom is, or as they said in the old days, to feel the breath of eternity. This is really a very valuable spiritual gift, which is incomparable with anything earthly. And that is not to mention the influence of this power on the physical body. When a person is provided with such spiritual power, naturally, his organism, thanks to a surge of additional creating energy, improves the quality of its work. As a result, a burst of energy takes place, which positively influences the function of many vital systems, immunity gets a boost, and so on. That is why legends say that this spiritual power can influence any diseases, even the most serious ones. But physical effects are secondary. The main thing is a spiritual help to the personality, so to say spiritual healing, the possibility of getting in touch with his true home, the spiritual world. That is why, for example, Jesus Christ was called the only true doctor of souls and bodies because he, as a supreme being who came from the spiritual world, would sometimes give such power to people. A similar action, but naturally with less power, could be accomplished by a person who spiritually liberated himself from earthly reincarnations, that is, one who reached the seventh dimension during his life. Here is where the link to number seven comes from seven actions or seven prayers or seven participants in the ritual, and so on. Completely different possibilities open before this personality who has merged with its soul, becoming qualitatively different, a new being. But people are people. Many of them are simply prone to envy and imitation from the human mind. They do not even understand why Christ said, according to your faith, be it unto you, when people asked him to heal their temporary bodies while they had the opportunity to ask him for eternity for the salvation of their souls. Anastasia Well, considering what ideology prevailed in the masses at that time, this isn't surprising, although the difference between then and now isn't that big. If the modern person is told that he will now be given everything, what will he ask for? Rigdon. Well, yes. Centuries go by, but people do not change. Concerning the sacrament of anointing the sick, in Christianity, it emerged from the knowledge about similar rites, for instance, healing through incantation prayer in the earlier religions that had existed among different peoples. As a rule, they were administered by means of common medical substances which were used in the ancient times such as, for example, olive oil. In other words, it was all the same, only presented in the ideological concept of Christianity. What is the essence of such incantation healing? 
priests who practice prayers, powerful shamans, psychics, and the like, can exert short-term influence on a person. But of course, all of this is within the sphere of the animal mind. That is to say, at best, they can have influence from the position of the sixth dimension. There is no doubt that this does not even come close to the power of a spiritually liberated person for whom the seventh dimension is open, especially for the one with the power of the Bodhisattva. All these actions and modern rituals of people can be attributed to a kind of mutual help in people's understanding. They have been practiced in society since Paleolithic times. But a very important point of these actions has been missing for a long time. If the person who is being helped does not change on the inside, does not work on himself later on to strengthen his spiritual nature and tame his selfishness, pridefulness that is the animal nature, and so on, then this help will do no good. No one will do the main spiritual work for the person other than himself. Even if the whole world prays for the salvation of this person, but he does not wish to change by his personal choice, all the efforts of these people will be meaningless. The real sacrament of spiritual healing lies in these words, According to your faith, be it done unto you. A person chooses which nature to give the power of his attention to, either to the animal or to the spiritual. This is why human desires differ so much. Some pray for the health for their mortal bodies and others for life eternal for their personality in the soul's true home. Anastasia Yes, it cannot be denied that in today's society only imitation of form takes place without knowing the essence. Such spiritual power can't be replaced by seven people wearing the garments of priests. Spiritual liberation certainly can't be bought with money. This is neither a rank nor a position, or gained by boasting. Rigdon, this is true. It is necessary to work a lot on yourself spiritually in order to attain spiritual liberation. No matter whether you belong to any religion or not, this is personal spiritual work of each person. Anastasia The problem is that this knowledge about the possibilities of independent spiritual development of each individual is concealed from society by priests themselves. Even those people who look for knowledge begin their search guided by the material, conventional worldview, and accordingly they find people with the same outlook. So when it comes to spiritual cognition, it is like in the biblical saying, if the blind leads the blind, both shall fall into the pit. Rigdon, absolutely. As a rule, such people look for teachers partly to shift responsibility for their spiritual development onto them, instead of developing independently. But if you look at the society as a whole, then in most cases, the so-called teachers practically do not differ from their students in spiritual development. Imitators from the human mind who proclaim themselves intermediaries between people and God are plenty in the world today, and not only in different religions and sects, but simply in society as well. They all want to teach someone instead of transforming themselves spiritually. With such a grandiose army of teachers of every stripe, 
Those people who have truly come to know the truth are a mere handful. Why is there such a paradox? Because at every turn, you see spiritual worldview being substituted for the material one. There are politics and lust for power and money. It is no secret that today, church positions in many religions are bought like seats at the market. For many, this is just a game of politics, an opportunity to dominate their own kind. But essentially, all remain ordinary people while holding various, even quite high, positions. Anastasia Indeed, they artificially create the illusion of being holy for people. Once in the times of the Soviet Union, when I was young, I thought this way about the Soviet government. For me, they were almost demigods who existed somewhere far away from us and not in our lives, sitting at their meetings, all of them so righteous, not eating, drinking, and not even going to the bathroom. And when you had debunked this myth for me by showing that they were the same people, just like everybody else, I was shocked by this at first. But then I got a real understanding of the situation. I started unwinding the chain. For what reason the smith was created, and why I interpreted it in such a way. And along the way, I discovered many interesting facts for myself. For example, how favorable images of politicians and priests and their public image and holiness, which the glorified candidate does not have at all, are created in the world in general. How public opinion towards these people is formed artificially. How people are massively won over to a particular worldview which is advantageous to those in power. How and why the battle for control of the consciousness of entire peoples in different countries takes place, and even for world domination. Rigdon. Yes, getting information is just half the battle. What is much more important is the quality of its perception. Let us take a closer look at, for example, the ritual of the Christian sacrament of holy orders, ordination, meaning inaugural ceremonials of a priest in the church hierarchy. Unfortunately, today in Christianity, it has been likened to a ceremonial, theatrical show, performance of empowerment of certain people to administer sacraments and shepherd the flock. This is nowhere near spirituality. This is just politics. Given the present attitudes within various Christian churches and movements, which are subordinated to consumer mentality, in most cases, this ritual is already a formality, a tribute to traditions. Everyone already knows everything before the ceremony. High positions, as they say, are bought and allocated. And what occupies the mind of the majority of those present at the time of the ceremony itself? The seasoned ones want to know the distribution of power and relations inside the group. The young are worried about the sequence of actions which items and whose holy hands to kiss first, and how many times to bow. Nothing has changed with time, for the same thing existed in the religions of other peoples at different times, only it was called differently. But the meaning has remained the same. Of course, amongst all this crowd of power, one can find true believers who concentrate their attention not on external rituals, but on their spiritual feelings for God. But unfortunately, such people are very few and far between.
Anastasia. Indeed, this is all work of people. Each person chooses for himself that which tempts him the most in his secret desires. But if we have a look at the origins of the sacrament of holy orders as such, then what's meant here is the last final stage of the person's spiritual development. It's the same thing that in Sufism is called the loss of the human eye, merging of the secret soul with God, while in Buddhism, the perfection of transcendent, intuitive wisdom. Rigdon Of course, people who follow the spiritual path by means of inner work on themselves, regardless of whether they belong to religions of their time or not, actually pass the same stages of self-perfection. If we trace the origins of, for example, the concept of the priest, in ancient times it meant the person standing before God. Basically, this is an exit to the seventh dimension, attaining true holiness by a person, his qualitative spiritual transformation already during his life. At this stage of spiritual development, a person truly experiences this power from God, thanks to which he leaves the circle of reincarnations and becomes free, goes to paradise, nirvana, no matter how people call the spiritual world, the essence remains the same. So all these stages of a human spiritual perfection, which are the same in their meaning and content, have been present in all the world religions under one or another cover of special sacraments, stages, passing through parts of the spiritual path, and so on. But here's what I would like to say in this regard. Spiritual knowledge does not belong to any religion, no matter how hard each of them tried to appropriate it, interpreting it according to their canons and traditions. Anastasia Yes, and this can be clearly seen if one carefully studies and compares the spiritual knowledge in the religious cultures of different peoples. As an example, we can consider the Christian sacrament of confirmation, which we have discussed, the application, in the form of the equilateral cross sign, of consecrated myrrh on certain parts of the body, face, eyes, ears, chest, arms, and feet, is considered in this religion to be the symbol of introduction to the divine grace through which a person gets the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The sign of the cross on the forehead, in the area of the third eye chakra, according to the Christian religion, symbolizes the consecration of thoughts so that the person would be capable of keeping them clean, spiritual thoughts. The sign of the cross on the chest, in the area of the chakra, which for instance in Hinduism is called the love chakra, anahata symbolizes love for God, which the person must carry throughout his life. On the eyes, in ancient times they were called open chakrans, so that the person would gain spiritual vision, see God's grace in every creation. On the ears, so that the person would hear the spiritual word. Rigdon. By the way, in ancient times, people who had true spiritual knowledge about this process applied oil not on the ears themselves, but exactly on those points over each ear, which I had mentioned while talking about the meditation on the four essences. That is, the very areas above ears where there are structures which participate in the process of a person's perception of orientation 
in the spaces of various dimensions in altered states of consciousness. Anastasia Yes, it turns out that everything was once done with the knowledge of the matter. In Christianity, the anointing of hands in the area where the chakrans of hands are located symbolizes the message for doing good deeds. The anointing of feet, there are also chakrans on the feet, symbolizes the opportunity to follow the spiritual path which leads into the kingdom of God. In other words, despite the Christian philosophy of interpretation of the anointing process, the process itself was carried out practically along the points of the main chakrans. Rigdon. Absolutely. If one learns more about the rituals related to anointing with oil among different peoples of the world from ancient times up to now, one can discover a surprising similarity in the application of preyed-upon, sanctified oil on practically the same parts of the body, that is to say, activation of certain energy zones of a person, chakrans. For example, these rituals were common among the ancient Egyptians, residents of ancient and modern India, people inhabiting the territories of ancient Europe, Ural, and Siberia. Furthermore, it is enough for an attentive person to simply take a look at how peoples in different parts of the planet portray gods and saints, with what symbols their main chakrans are marked, and how fingers of their hands are connected in certain combinations. It is only for ignorant people that all this is explained in the categories of general concepts as the symbols which form a connection between heaven and earth and as ways to create and control a creation of one or another deity. In actual fact, they point at spiritual symbols and the practical knowledge of human self-perfection. For example, in Christianity, or rather in the Orthodoxy, there is the icon Christ in Majesty, Spas Silach. At one time, it occupied one of the central positions of the iconostasis of the Orthodox Cathedral. In Rus, it was right at a time, the 14th-15th centuries, when the low altar screen was being replaced by a big screen, iconostasis which separates the altar from the main part of the temple. So this icon is distinguished by its interesting symbolism. It portrays Jesus Christ sitting on a throne. In his left hand, he is holding an open book, while with his right hand, he is bestowing a blessing by holding his fingers in a certain gesture, where phalanges, finger pads of the ring finger and the thumb, are joined together. You already know that such a position of fingers is used in certain spiritual practices when looping of human beings' energy meridians takes place in this manner. Anastasia Yes, this gesture clearly demonstrates what particular spiritual instrument the personality used for meditative work on its energy structure, personal space, and the connection with the spiritual world. Rigdon I had already told you before that in the secret gestures and the sacred designations of the ancient East, the ring finger, apart from performing additional functions in spiritual practices, conditionally indicated activation of epiphysis cerebri, the pineal gland, the third eye chakra. 
I shall remind you that chakra means a wheel, earlier a circle, a disc, when translated from Sanskrit. Chakrans are a kind of energy centers in the invisible part of the human structure through which energy movement and energy vortex passes. In the East, the word lotus, padma, is also used instead of the word chakra to indicate human seven energy centers. Incidentally, in Sufism, for example, there is a similar spiritual practice with the main six subtle centers in human's energy body, Lataif. In various teachings, the third eye is still considered to be the spiritual eye, the chakran of clairvoyance. Treatises mention that if one activates extrasensory perception, then the third eye helps to obtain transcendental knowledge and penetrate the spiritual world. The third eye is regarded as a conductor of a powerful effect which aids the act of creation and influence upon something, opening the possibilities to observe events of the past, the present, and the future. It was also called the chakran of dispassion and supernatural abilities. This chakran was conditionally marked with blue, azure color. Anastasia Undoubtedly, the ancient symbolism linked to the ring finger is not as simple as it seems at first sight. You once shared interesting information regarding the origin of the tradition in the human society to wear rings on the ring finger of the right or the left hand. Rigdon This is a really ancient story. In the beginning, wearing a ring on the ring finger was a secret, purely conditional symbol among the people initiated into sacred knowledge. The ring as such meant movement in a circle, and more precisely, movement in the circle of a turn of a spiral. The symbolism was of two kinds, one related to the right-hand movement, as for example the correct swastika, and the other one to the left-hand movement, the incorrect swastika. If a person wore a ring on the ring finger of his right hand, this meant a follower of the forces of light, person's movement towards the one God, towards eternity. This symbol conditionally showed that a person had chosen only the spiritual way and possessed the knowledge. If a ring was worn on the ring finger of the left hand, this meant the movement of the person in the opposite direction, towards the material mind, a follower of dark forces, his possession of the corresponding knowledge, and his service to the will of the animal mind. That is the difference in wearing a ring on a certain hand was a conditional distinction for the initiated people that showed which particular forces and whose will its owner served. And the name, the nameless finger itself, the ring finger is called nameless in Russian, translators note. The finger without a name is not accidental. It is derived from certain knowledge in the aforementioned environment. Both in ancient times and now, the name of God remains a mystery for people. The real name of God has not been disclosed to people to this day, despite numerous speculations of the priests of different religions. Why? Legends have it that the unspeakable name of God can control all the forces of nature and all the dimensions, levels in the universe. As a rule, this information is accompanied by a postscript from priests made on the basis of the legends about the primordial sound, 
which had different names at different times, one of which is the Holy Grail. So this postscript says the following, Supposedly, the one who can correctly pronounce the name of God, originally legends had it as the primordial sound, can ask God for anything he wishes. To this day, there is lore that if one calls God by the secret name, one can draw his attention to oneself. But usually, only spiritually immature people are burning with such desire. For those who live with God inside themselves, there is no such need. They have found Him within their souls and abide in Him. Spiritually immature people, on the other hand, crave to know the name. Moreover, they crave for it in order to have their own animal power over everything and everyone. But they do not understand that for them, as an immature fetus, this is fatal. A human's narrowed perception, because of the dominance of the animal nature in him, reduces the understanding of God to some material subject, who furthermore is the same as the person sees himself in three-dimensional space. Priests have named God with different names, creating one or another religion for themselves. More importantly, they still make people fight and be at enmity with each other for the superiority of their religions and the name of God, for their dominance over rival religions and consequently their sole right to speak on behalf of God. Due to different epithets as well as an intentionally different interpretation by priests, people mistakenly believe that there are different divine gods. But today, all the different names of God are, in fact, epithets, which in ancient times, instead of the forbidden name of God, meant the One. Anastasia You're right, and anyone can confirm this. It is sufficient to trace the etymology of the origin and the original meaning of the words that mean the name of God in different religions. Rigdon Of course, any intelligent person, after putting this information together, will understand that different names of God in religions are merely epithets of the One. For example, let us consider the name of the supreme god of the ancient Egyptians, Osiris. This name is a Greek version of the Egyptian name, Yusir. That is, the Greek word Osiris is derived from the Egyptian Yusir, which means he who is at the top. Or, for example, what is the meaning of the name of the Avestan deity in Zoroastrianism, Ahura Mazda, later Armazd or Muzd, proclaimed as the one god by the prophet Zarathustra. By the way, the prophet originally mentioned that the name of Ahura Mazda was just a substitution for the forbidden name of God, which none among people know. This god was noted as nameless, even in the religious calendar. The Avestan Ahura Mazda is translated as the wise lord, master of thought. The Avestan word Mazda also means to keep in memory. As a matter of fact, this name is derived from two ancient Iranian words having Aryan Indo-Iranian roots. Ahura corresponds to the Sanskrit word Asura, meaning master, while Mazda to the Indian Meta, which means wisdom, insight. By the way, People have actually forgotten one simple truth, what wisdom truly is. It is by no means knowledge acquired from books, nor is it life experience, 
a brilliant mind, or clever logic of thinking, in the most ancient tradition of different peoples of the world, originally wisdom is a gift of heavens, the euphoria of feelings, epiphany, during the spiritual growth of a human. This is a gift with which one can attain the state of the highest enlightenment, omniscience, and understanding of everything. It is no coincidence that Zoroastrianism mentions Ahura Mazda revealing himself to the prophet Zarathustra thanks to the good thought only after his persistent spiritual search, which had lasted for many years. The prophet asked, and God answered and mentored him in the heavenly wisdom. That is, he was the one who gives wisdom comprehension. So it is precisely from epithets that priests form the name of the one God. This is true for any religion. All the names of God are epithets. God the Savior, the known God, the worthy, the all-embracing, the omnipresent, the radiant, the awakened, the foundation, the divine power, the one who brings happiness, the unperceivable, and so forth. I'm just naming those original semantic designations of the words of different names and in essence epithets of God, which are now known to many people belonging to one or another popular major world religion. In other words, that information which today lies on the surface and is available to every person interested in this matter, not to mention more ancient roots of borrowing of these words from similar epithets of ancient religions and beliefs, which are completely forgotten nowadays, despite the available archaeological artifacts proving their popularity in the ancient times. But in the end, all these historical epithets will lead step by step to the original designations of the One in that proto-language which was common to all the peoples and to which the linguists are theoretically getting only now. Anastasia Well, that's funny and sad at the same time. It means that people in society are fighting, brawling, and arguing over mere epithets of the one who is one and the same for everyone. Rigdon. Unfortunately, without even understanding the single spiritual essence for all the peoples, for mankind as a whole, that is why, knowing the human nature, initially the designation of the one, as I said before, was given to people not under his name, but under the sound Ra, which symbolized the concept of the One, the Eternal, Supreme. That is why since ancient times, even conditional designation of God among the people initiated in this knowledge did not mention his name. By the way, this applies also to the ring finger. It is much later, when discord began in society among people, which was fueled by priests, that various interpretations and divisions into our and their gods appeared and so on, eventually leading to loss of the primordial knowledge. But all these are deeds of humanity. But let us get back to the topic of rings. The first rings were simple and smooth. By the way, earlier such rings used by the initiated were made exclusively out of crystal as an energy and information accumulator. Anastasia, that is, of natural material in which the elementary particles, atoms, ions, and molecules are located according to the geometric laws of spatial facets and crystal lattices 
and have mostly geometrically correct form and structure, for instance, polyhedrons, which have already been mentioned in the conversation. In general, one can say that this is again a sign only not of the two-dimensional, but of three-dimensional space, where the external form reflects the symmetry of the inner laying of the elementary particles and consequently the distribution of energies which form them. Rigdon, certainly, and later when people began to lose the knowledge, in order to make such rings, they started to use hard rock stones, wood or bone. Much later, they started to make them of metal. So the first rings in the ancient secret societies were simple, and the only difference was on which hand they were worn, the left one or the right one. But after, as they say, an information leak occurred, and ordinary people started imitating the attributes of the initiates, rings began to be worn widely in society, without understanding the essence, on different fingers, making them of various metals, decorating them with precious stones, and so on. Then the initiates started depicting certain signs and symbols on their rings, which were understandable to their social circle. For example, those belonging to the light forces would wear a ring on the ring finger of his or her right hand, and the ring had a shape of a serpent biting its tail, with its head positioned clockwise. Whereas a follower of the dark forces would wear a ring on the ring finger of his or her left hand. On such a ring, the serpent's head was located on the contrary, counterclockwise. But this also did not last long. Soon, because of human imitation and the distortion of knowledge, such a conventionality as ring-wearing lost its meaning among those who were involved in the primordial knowledge. However, the tradition of wearing rings as an adornment or a symbol of certain privileges continued among people. People came up with numerous ways of boasting in front of each other, starting with devising made-up super-magic signet rings, which supposedly protected a person against diseases and troubles or gave power, and ending with symbols of social inequality in the form of a ring of a rich person, an honorary citizen. Generally speaking, everything is usual. Human pridefulness for no reason. Anastasia I would like to illuminate another interesting question in connection with the raised topic of ring finger and rings. Once you talked about the origin of the expression pierced boji, the finger of God, translator's note, from which, in fact, the concept of signet ring is derived. Rigdon. Yes, the old Slavonic word pierced means finger. Moreover, the ring finger of the right hand was earlier called pierced. To this day, some peoples, for instance the Kazakhs, still have a custom associated with the ancient popular belief that newborn children should be first given not the mother's breast to suckle, but a ring finger in order to ensure the baby grows into a good, kind, and spiritual person. These are actual echoes, although in human interpretation, of the mentioned knowledge about the conventional symbolism of the ring finger. Nowadays, ring-wearing is a mere fashion and tradition. 
for example, to put on wedding rings on ring fingers of either the right or the left hand, depending on the country. Nonetheless, echoes of the knowledge once possessed by people can still be found. For instance, in Orthodoxy, at the wedding, the ring that newlyweds put on the ring fingers of their right hands still denotes the sign of eternity and inseparability of the nuptial crown with the spiritual world.